Women's History Month is important to me because it helps us all remember why equity is important in the first place. March is Women's History Month, and that was Dr. Jill Johnson right there from the Bloodworks Research Institute, sharing some thoughts about why we celebrate women's history. It's a time to celebrate accomplishments, like the fact that we now have a woman, Kamala Harris, who's made history. But it's also a time to perhaps take account of where the challenges lie. For instance, in the area of women in science and the COVID-19 pandemic. According to Jill Johnson, COVID-19, besides everything else, is disproportionately affecting women in science and medicine. And although we're not completely sure why, but that seems to be true across the workforce. So this is happening all across the country, but in particular in science, there's big concern that um, publications, uh, which are, uh, you know, when you publish your paper or your findings, um, they're being underrepresented. And, um, and it appears that they're being underrepresented in the ability to work at the same rate or level as their their male colleagues. And we suspect it's because women are unduly shouldering the burden of keeping the household going and the kids going and um, uh, taking other responsibilities that are pulling them out of these careers. Um, and it appears temporary, but these gaps can really have long lasting impacts, which we know from before COVID, um, because um, the promotion tracks, um, and um, and productivity and science are important, particularly when they're continuous. Um, and so not only are they just losing months right now, but they may have impacts that last years on their career. So it's very concerning what's happening right now, that um, if there needs to be some way that we can support them. You know, the whole society needs this support, all women need this support. And of course there are some men that are making decisions like this too, but it is really disproportionately appearing to impact women. And so we're worried about that to retain women in science. And for Jill Johnson, Women's History Month seems like a good time to take stock of progress made, as well as progress needed to be made. Women's History Month is important to me because it helps us all remember why equity is important in the first place. So Women's History Month is one of many months that are supposed to help us remind us that equity and diversity are important in everything we do. So this is a specific time to look at gender uh, and um, I also think intersectionality of gender and other underrepresented. So let's talk specifically or in general terms about the significance of women in science, or should I say the ongoing challenge about bringing more women into science? Why is that such a challenge? You'd think in 2021 uh, that that that's old news, right? But not not so much. Yeah, it's not old news. It's, it's really an ongoing challenge. And it's probably a different challenge than it was, you know, several decades ago, but the underlying problem I think is the same, which is that we have systemic biases and some of them are implicit biases. You know, most people don't think they're having a bias based on sex or gender um, and they don't want to, but we have all these assumptions, even myself, that we don't realize we have and those biases can really come out even in these non-overt ways that can put women at a disadvantage um, when they're proceeding a career in science. Um, and that really requires consciously looking it in the eye, learning where are the biases we have, where are the biases in our colleagues, where are the biases in the system, 
to improve this. And so a lot of it comes from acknowledging there's a problem in the first place. Well, what did I start out by saying? It's old news, right? That's a general perception. You know, we must have made some progress in this area. And that's that's an assumption that's just wrong. Well, I think there's been some kinds of progress in that if you look from, you know, many decades ago to now, a lot more uh, people who self-identify as female are going into undergraduate science degrees, coming out with graduation of undergraduate science degrees, entering professional and graduate, um, you know, postdoctorate education. Um, and so, like, if, for example, if you look at medical school matriculation, the numbers are about even. But if you look further down the line and who's going to be an assistant professor, who, particularly who's getting promoted to associate professor, full professor, there's a massive drop off in who is sort of making it on this classical academic pathway. And that academics isn't the only way to do science. You know, there's many other ways to do science. You can go to industry, uh, you can work for the government. Um, these are all essential parts um, that, uh, the, the sector of science where it all needs to work together. And those disadvantages are similarly seen in, in every place. Um, and so there's something that poses high barriers uh, to, uh, to continuing in a career in science because clearly there's an interest, clearly there's that capability, uh, and we are just losing out by not maintaining and maturing that scientific gift, you know, going forward. Um, what kind of obstacles did you face as a young woman pursuing a career in science? Um, I think I actually had some advantages, which is that my parents um, really sort of told me I could do anything a boy could do. Um, and um, I believed that so strongly for a long time that I uh, I sort of just assumed other people were wrong when I would run into it myself um, and, until, you know, as I became a young adult and you sort of start facing it more systematically. But I, I think inside, I didn't doubt that I could um, do a scientific career or a mathematical career, which was sort of the other way I was going um, you know, early in life. But, um, you know, we all have self-doubt. Anyone who looks inside themselves wonders if they're good enough, um, wonders, um, you know, if, if at each obstacle it was them, because sometimes it is us. Um, but what you can't do is um, have a system that lets people get lost at that stage, because that's not, most of the time they are good enough. Most of the time they're, sometimes they're exceptional. And, um, and you don't want to lose them to this self-doubt where someone also adds on from the outside. Um, so um, I think I was just fairly stubborn in my own pursuit of science um, in, a, in a kind of irrational way. So I don't know if I advocate for this for other people, but I believed in myself enough. I had lots of self-doubt, but to keep trying. Um, and, um, and so that helped in the early days, you know, of, of sort of choosing, you know, pushing to get the classes I need as an undergraduate. If you're, you know, having trouble getting scheduled and they're telling you, you don't have to do that, honey, um, that, that, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but, um, but yeah, there's, it's just, uh, it's very interesting, um, to look back on. It was a different time. You know, I'm old enough that, you know, we're talking about decisions that, you know, I was in high school in the 80s. I did my undergraduate and early medical training in the 90s. Did my postdoctoral training in the thousands. Um, and in some ways, because you get these delays 
in training, I have sort of the perspective of a millennial in the job place because that's when I entered the job place, but I had the cultural perspective of the 80s and 90s in my training. And it's a weird hybrid and I have tremendous sympathy for both of those kinds of obstacles. They're very culturally different. Um, so I would say I just kept going. I do think I diverted sometimes from what I might have initially done, uh, but I don't have any personal regrets on that front. But I have seen dear friends and colleagues who did not keep going for any number of reasons that um, some of which had nothing to do with their sex or gender, but many times did. And it, it is a heartbreaking loss to think what could be done if they had stayed. So what needs to be done now to make it more equitable? I really think it's acknowledging that this is a real thing. Um, because most people are good people and most people want to do good. And I, I think it is it is a challenge to talk about in some some places because it's not you know, you're not starting on the same page where I think there is a problem and there's evidence for that and someone else doesn't see it. Um, and it's, we're all informed by our own experiences, we're all informed by our own biases, and then we operate in systems that represent the bias of all the people that built it. Um, and it's, it's a really challenging thing because you can't put your finger on one thing that's here's the obstacle to women, let's, let's get rid of that and everything's gonna get better. It's really complex. It's hard to look inside yourself and realize you have that bias too. I have that bias. You know, I learned I have that bias. I have to work on it. Um, and um, and it was really distressing to find out that I had absorbed some of these thoughts. <laughs> and, you know, a little bit, if you have the idealism of a five-year-old, sometimes you can help yourself see <laughs> the difference between what a little kid thinks is fair and what you think is fair now. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think it's acknowledgement and it's acknowledgement that there's not bad intentions for the most part. Um, and I think that's a good place to start because if we're indicting people, how are we all gonna come together? We have to work together on this and it needs to be the voices of young people and the voices of the experienced um, together. So it's gotta go across all the people at all the levels and, uh, and to not condemn like if someone's engaging on that conversation, then they're probably willing to help things make things better. Most of us don't want to go around having unfairness um, happen. And the value of that diversity in what, what we do in science is really important too. You know, there's a tremendous bias in medicine. Similarly, female patients aren't treated the same. Um, uh, the science that hasn't included a lot of women. So it's just sort of a big blind spot in general. We don't identify these blind spots until we have diversity in the room in the first place. My final question for yeah. you is, uh, what advice do you give uh, a young girl contemplating a career in science? Oh, I am usually very excited to find out that she's like something about science. And uh, career choices are really personal decisions. I'm going to talk to a young girl about why she's interested in science, and it's usually because they're intellectually curious, which makes it a great field for a young person. And what I usually tell them is, if it's something that's true to yourself and you want to do it, you should try for it. Because so there are so many jobs and careers we can do that are just to make a living, which is important, to support our families, which is important. But if there's a part of your job that you do that really satisfies you intellectually, you're giving back to science, you're helping people, you're advancing knowledge, these are really gratifying things to do. 
And if you can have a job where that's part of what you do, it's an amazing thing. I feel that way about my job. So I usually talk to them about being true to themselves. And if they're interested in something and they know they're good at it, to stay true to that too. And you know, there's gonna be people along the way that might question their ability or whether or not this is the right thing for them. But if that doesn't feel right to them, then they should listen to themselves. And that's what I tell them. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the one of the great things about people being different between each other is that we all have a special gift. And if we can make that part of what we do um, for a career, that that's an amazing opportunity. You've got to seize it. Well, that's just about it for Bloodworks 101. It's nice to end this episode with some realistic hope about a better future for women in science and some disappointing parts of the past. Because like Dr. Johnson says, we don't identify these blind spots until we have diversity in the room in the first place. I wanna thank our guest, Dr. Jill Johnson, for her open and honest thoughts and for the ongoing work that she and other women in science here at Bloodworks do every day. I'm John Yeager, see you next time. Thank you.